Welcome into the Atlanta Inquirer podcast, episode nine. Isaac Trotter going solo today, and boy, do we have a good one planned for you. Jeremy Warner's going to hop on with us in about five or ten minutes, talk Illinois football recruiting, and then Derek Piper, before he heads off to Italy to cover Illinois basketball's trip out there, he is going to join us a little bit, talk about Austin Hutcherson visiting Illinois, a Division three kid, and everything. But man, we have some really, really good news with Illinois football. After a couple weeks ago where we were thinking, man, this this, this class could be looking really, really bad. Illinois lands C.J. Dixon. They land Kevin Tyler. There's still really good buzz surrounding the program after their Grill on the Grove event. The Illinois staff just absolutely crushed it, have a chance to add more to this this group and maybe make this class look really, really serviceable before the season gets started. So we're going to take a quick timeout when we get back. Jeremy Warner talking all things Illinois football. We also might touch on a little bit of training camp uh, because Illinois football will get going with that starting on Friday, which will be great. And we'll, we'll get to see Isaiah Williams or Shannon Peters. It'll be awesome. But stick with us. Short timeout, Jeremy Warner, coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Atlanta Inquirer podcast, episode nine. And boy, Jeremy, we are singing a whole different tune about Illinois football recruiting after a heck of a weekend with the grill on the grove. Let's start with the big news. C.J. Dixon, four-star quarterback from Georgia, hops on board. It's amazing how we look at this recruitment and you see some of these big-time offers that he had from these elite, elite programs. But you see Maryland's pushing hard, Baylor's involved. But Mike Bellamy and Rod Smith are able to get this kid on campus. They hit a home run on the on the visit, and he commits. Like, what what type yeah. of impact do you think this could have for this class? It feels like this gives the Illinois coaching staff maybe a little bit more leeway with this whole class because you're able to get a guy like this. It's a game changer, and he said we were singing a different tune. That's because there's a different song playing, right? Like, kudos to them for doing that. Um, there's a huge bounce back, and I don't think it's a shock that Pfeiffer Griffin is on board or, uh, you know, a shock that they get Kevin Tyler. That was almost kind of the expectation as you land guys like that. But when we were saying, hey, there, there's a path where they can bounce back, I don't think anybody had C.J. Dixon in that calculus. Right, I, I think you thought, hey, get him on campus, then see what happens from there. I didn't think they were going to close right away, and then that's a huge kudos to Mike Bellamy, who's who's got a lot of connections down there in Georgia, knows the the Grayson coaches decently well, and that, that's a new staff there. But that tells you with, with these college connections and in recruiting for a long time uh, how that pays off. But also kudos to Rod Smith for being able to uh, land a talent like this, and it is a talent. It isn't a, a big proven one yet, though, and I, I think that's the interesting part of this, and and maybe why Illinois is able to get someone like this because uh, C.J. Dixon had offers from Alabama, uh, was Ohio State, I believe, Georgia early. Um, but those really offers weren't there. I mean, all those schools basically had, um, you know, quarterbacks on board. And CJ hasn't started a game yet at Grayson. He will this year with a, with a completely new staff. And it sounds like that might have been uh, an issue at Grayson. But the the arm talent just shines through on the little film we do have of him. He's six foot five, 
210 pounds, and he's got a lot more to add to that frame, I believe. That doesn't run great, but I do see him moving in the pocket, and I think he can be a threat to run. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does this year as a senior. But absolutely, I mean, all of a sudden the quarterback room, think of what was here two years ago, yeah, Isaac. Nuts. Ah, right? Like, it was one of the worst in the Big Ten, maybe only above Rutgers. And Rutgers beat you when you had some of those quarterbacks. So uh, Rod Smith has completely changed the, the the narrative there. You think of the talent. Those are the kind of quarterbacks that can play at most Big Ten programs. And it just lifts the ceiling of your program because quarterback's been an issue for far too long, really since Nathan Chios. Because even when you had Wes Lunt and Riley O'Toole, it wasn't great quarterback play. It was just enough to get you to one bowl game. But now you have Brandon Peters for two years, and it gives you a higher four. Isaiah Williams could be the face of this program. And if Isaiah doesn't work out for whatever reason, you have C.J. Dixon, who's a different kind of quarterback. And maybe those guys, you know, Isaiah starts for three years, and then C.J. Dixon starts for two years. It just makes you feel so good about the future at that position. And for this class, I think it's something you can sell to other recruits, especially at a position of need and wide receiver. And it can go, hey, look. Out-of-state kids are buying in. Why, why don't some of you local kids buy in? Because we do have a vision um, that people are buying into, and we'll show you on the field this year. Well, one of the things, too, that I, I, I notice about this is when we look back in the past and you look at Cam Thomas, Chase Crouch, Jeff George Jr., none of them had Power 5 offers, right, other than Illinois. That was it, right? But for these guys, Dixon, Peters, and Williams, these are all top 300 prospects nationally, right? And all of those guys are going to be on the team next year. And think about what the impact could have on recruiting wide receivers because what was a big question mark with some of these grad transfers? I mean, some of these grad transfer wide receivers were unclear if they wanted to come to Illinois because MJ Rivers, they didn't know who what they had there. Not sure what you have in Matt Robinson. I don't know. I don't know how much of a real impact it'll have right away, but it seems like with quarterbacks like this over the next few years, Illinois could be a part of a sell to just wide receivers. We've seen the sell for offensive linemen has started to work with Rod Smith. We know the sell for running backs is starting to work. Now you can sell it with wide receivers. This could open up a whole new aspect for Illinois recruiting. Look what happens when you have a little bit of success that you can show people. Yeah. Right? Like, A.J. Bush was not a great Big Ten quarterback, but he was. you could see what this offense looks like, and Rod Smith can sell. Look what I did with my one year with Khalil Tate. Look what he did without me. Right, I, he can sell that, um, and I think that that came through with C.J. Dixon. I think the relationships they built was, from the sounds of it, talking with the Grayson coach, and you, and you talked with C.J. as well. It sounds like the relationship that he built um, with uh, Mike and, and his and his mother and all those things really helped pay off. But to win one over Michael Oxley, right? Who's who's had two a tongue of Iowa and Jalen Hurts and you know, Juice, Juice Williams. Williams. Like that's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive by Rod Smith. Another guy too that played a big role was Marquez Beeson, and and that's that's what he said when when CJ and I talked the day like the night after he he committed, he said that he loved coming in and having a guy like Marquez Beeson there selling the program. He goes, that's a top one hundred guy who picked Illinois over Texas A and M, all of these other huge programs, LSU, and he wants to be here. And so I, I think you're starting to see good players want to play with others. Marquez Beeson could maybe step into that Bobby Roundtree role of being that top player recruit. When guys come on campus, Marquez Beeson is their host, could be a guy that, that propels them. But it just feels like, okay, that was the tipping point a little bit where you go, okay, now we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then the next day, you get Kevin Tyler to hop on board. Well, before you get into that, I yeah. just want to mention, you mentioned it with Marquez Beeson. Talent wants to play with talent. Yeah. 
right? And I think Beeson made it easier for Isaiah Williams to jump on board. Isaiah jumping on board makes it much easier for Shaman to ultimately sign with Illinois, for Reggie Love to sign with Illinois, uh, Jaden Thompson probably. So you start these things matter in recruiting, right? Like when you get one talent, it's easier to get the next talent because they know they'll be playing with good players and have a chance to have success uh, on the field, which ultimately gets uh, them a better chance to play at the next level. And Isaiah Williams and Shimon Cooper and Reggie Love are a big reason why Kevin Tyler hops on board the very next couple of days. So yeah. big offensive lineman there from St. Louis, six foot five, two hundred and ninety-five pounds. Looks like he's going to be a guard in the future. Would when you looked at this offensive line, you know all those targets that they were acquiring. I felt like both of us liked Marcus Harper number one. But for you, you kind of had Tyler up there at number two, right? Or like, where would he have ranked with with some of these offensive linemen that, that Illinois was targeting? I don't know if it's important what I think, um, but from what I've talked to people, Kevin Tyler this spring was the number one guard on their board. Yeah, uh, and, and they've lost a couple guys, right? I I, I loved Marcus Harper's film. Uh, I, I think his ceiling is ridiculously high. I think he moves really well. But Kevin Tyler reminds me a little bit of Larry Boyd. Um, just, and I know he, he's gone from the program, but he started eight games as a freshman, and for ha- like he looked like he was going to be really good. We saw him in camp last year. I thought he was one of their best three Nasty. linemen behind Nick Allegretti and uh, Alex Palczewski. So losing him was, was really tough, but I, I loved his talent. I loved his size and his ability to move at that size. Plus, you said it. He's nasty. Tyler's got that. So even if he's raw, and I think you see that with some of the targets they're going after, whether it's Pfeiffer Griffin or whether it's Blaze Sparks, who they feel good about, um, they want big guys who can move, long guys who can move, who have that nastiness to them. And then they think they got their offensive line coach who can te- teach them the technique. And, and kudos to Luke Buck has seemed to do a pretty good job of that uh, last year, especially with that young group. So uh, I really like this kid. I think this is – he's ranked, I think, what is it, 1,200-ish Yeah. In, in the composite rankings. I like 24-7 sports ranking is a, is a top 850 guy, I believe we have him as. I think that's about right. I, I think this is a really, really good get. You won over Power 5 teams here like Purdue. But it was always interesting, Isaac, because there weren't that many other programs involved here as heavily as Illinois, and he didn't take very many other visits. So uh, Illinois needed to get this one after losing Jalen St. Jalen St. John, Marcus Harper, Kiva Wesley, but kudos to Corey Patterson because this one felt like it could get away from them in April, like many of the others did. Uh, but Corey Patterson kept pushing, and Kevin Tyler really didn't visit anywhere else, and they locked it down. I mean, think about the impact of St. Louis now and what Corey Patterson has done. I mean, this is Tyler and Reggie Love you already have in this class from St. Louis, and then in last year's class, of course, Isaiah and Shaman. But Moses Okpala is a big name. Keith Randolph's a big name. Josh Floor is a developmental offensive tackle that you could maybe work and coach up. But and now you have Joe Moore and. James Frenchie, a couple more other guys there. Like the, the the way that Illinois has improved their stock in St. Louis and kind of being fighting with Mizzou, maybe taking a little bit of a lead. I mean, we'll, we'll say they're 50 50 right now, Illinois and Mizzou. But the fact I'd say that it's even a little bit ahead. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably say like Mizzou right now with the class they're putting together, it's probably like 65 35, but that's still pretty dang good for Illinois. For a team were, like Mizzou had eight wins last year, right? Yeah, and you were getting nothing out of St. Louis for the longest time. Then you get Larry Boyd and Tony Adams. And then you go over in 2018, right? Like you, Dallas Craddath was a guy they really thought mm-hmm. they could land, and and they couldn't land Luke him. Luke Ford, and, they couldn't able to get Southern Illinois kid. Who's the yeah, Adoye? Yeah, yeah, Deli Adioye was yeah. another kid they were doing really well on, and, and weren't able to land him. So to come back last year and get what three or four four top 
900, 800 prospects out of there. This year, you get Tyler and Reggie Love. We'll talk about James Frenchie coming up. You know, Joe Moore, we'll talk about him coming up. But that, that is, if you get all those guys, that's eight of the top, what, 12 or 13 guys in the last two classes you're getting out of St. Louis. That, that's, that's a huge kudos to Corey Patterson, number one, but also Lovey Smith. His first camp that he ever had when they actually could have satellite camps uh, was in St. Louis. Is that Trinity Catholic? And he, he wanted to make that a point, not to go to O'Fallon or not to go to some suburban place. He went right into the heart of North St. Louis and went to camp there and said, you guys are going to be a priority, and it's paid off ever since. Absolutely. And, and if we're grading that Corey Patterson higher as of right now, A-plus, right? A-plus for me. A, a at minimum. Yeah, right? it's I mean, been you, unbelievable. You could argue Mookie Cooper, right? right. Jalen St. John. And, and uh, you would love to have Marcus Washington. I think that was outside of Corey's purview. But Ira Henry, guys like that. But uh, that would be an A-plus. Um, but, yeah, definitely an A. Because they weren't getting talent like this before. I want to talk about the offensive line in 2021 because we're so focused on this year, next year. And that, and that makes sense now. Alex Palczewski is going to be a big part of this. But you look at this offensive line, and Palczewski, Vidarian Lowe, they're both juniors this year. You have Doug Kramer, so they're both going to be around for two more years. But the addition of Tyler that you have now, you could have an offensive line in 2021 with Kevin Tyler, 6'5", 295, Virtus Brown, 6'4", whatever, 290, 300, Kendrick Green, who we both really, really like. We expect him to have a breakout redshirt sophomore year. Yeah, I think he'll be an all-Big Ten guy at some point. Yeah, what what do you expect of that offensive line in 2021? Who would be those starters there? Do you think Keevan Myers could be in that mix, a Jordan Slaughter? Like, How could this offensive line maybe maybe not lose too much after Palczewski and Lowe and Kramer graduate in 2020? I don't know, Isaac, but what, what really encourages me is I feel like I have multiple guys who have the ceiling of a good Big Ten start. Sure. Right right now, I don't think that's true in your second string. Right like right now, I think, you know, Virtus Brown can step in and, and probably be solid, maybe Kendrick Green-like last year, where it was inconsistency, but he, he's adapting to a new position, but the talent is obviously there. Do I think Jake Stover should be a starter? Probably not. Um, deserves I like a scholarship, but yeah, not a deserves starter. a scholarship, and I, I, he's done a great job for a walk-on. And maybe he can be like Doug Kramer. So maybe I'm, maybe he can do that for you at center. Um, Jake Cerny probably shouldn't be a Big Ten starter, even though he's played a little bit and, and given you some serviceable reps. But right now, I don't feel like he had that. In two years, it'll be very interesting. Is Keevan Myers? Is he going to be the Big Ten star? He's got the ability. Jordan Slaughter has the ability. Um, Julian Pearl is it was always an interesting project to take on, um, and he's gotten a lot bigger. He's getting stronger. He needs to continue to add strength, and uh, he still moves pretty well. I think Virtus is going to be really good, and then you got some developmental guys in Evan Kurtz and Josh Poor. Rolls of the dice, see how they work out. But they're long. They move well. Uh, he's got to add a lot of strength. But now you had Pfeiffer Griffin, Kevin Tyler. What I'm trying to say, that's a lot of guys, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot of guys that I think have a chance at the Power 5 level. Bites at the apple. Well, the last couple of years, I felt like he had four or five guys, and that was about it. I don't think that'll be true in a couple of years. I want to talk about some of these other guys here at the Grill of the Grove. And I think sometimes when you see these two commits, a lot of people on Twitter will be like, okay, who's next? Like, what's going on? And I, <laughs> I completely get that. I completely do. Um, but Illinois did really well with some of these guys here. And you see James Frenchie's dad tweets on Twitter that they want a, a video edited. That seems like a pretty good sign there. When you see Frenchie, and, and over the weekend, Marcellus Moore commits to Purdue, kind of makes a lot of sense. You 
you understand why guys want to play with Rondale Moore. Marcellus Moore is an electric talent, electric speed guy. I feel I think that Purdue track and field coach is probably really, really happy that they got <laughs> he's, he's the biggest winner of all of this, isn't <laughs> yeah, he? Yeah, he is. He, he's really benefiting well. <laughs> but, I mean, after losing Marcellus Moore, you have A.J. Henning goes to Michigan, Mookie Cooper goes to Ohio State. Frenchie's the guy now for wide receivers, and you need another one, to, an addition to Jaden Thompson. What is Illinois? How's Illinois trending with Frenchie? Do you expect that to possibly happen here sooner rather than later? I talked with James's dad a little bit uh, before the visit, and he said Illinois is near the top of his list. And I asked him then, well, any other visits? And he said no. And now he's asking for edit videos, right? And I've gotten the feeling, you know, talking to people in, in, to connect to the program, all of that, Got the feeling that James Frenchy, after he got some, he, he did well in summer school this year and, and improved academically, that it was time to push for him before he blew up or before you, yeah. sl- if you slow play him anymore. And then all of a sudden, there's an LSU that's shown interest before. Do they get involved in some of these other programs? Cause Frenchy's really good. I don't think he's Mookie level. I don't think he's AJ Henning level. Those guys are a little bit bigger, a little bit more proven. Uh, but Marcellus Moore, I think James Frenchy is a more proven football player. Than Marcellus Moore, he's bigger than Marcellus Moore, just not quite as fast, right? But he is explosive, and I've seen him up close several times. Almost every time he's touched the ball, which isn't often in that Trinity offense, um, but he he almost scores a touchdown every time. Yeah, and he's he played a lot of running back last year. He's kind of an all-purpose back, but I, I think he's a great fit in the slot. I think he's a great fit. They can just get him the ball in in, in those screen situations, and he can pay, make people miss in space. So, yeah, I think this would be a really good get. I went into this class, Isaac, saying you have an inside kind of relationship with Henning, with Cooper, with Marcellus Moore, and James Frenchy. I think they got lucky that there's four really highly rated slot receivers within their region. That doesn't happen all that often, where you have four guys of that caliber, that production in high school, with that kind of speed. We usually have to go south to get that, right? Like, that many guys with speed, you had to get one of them. And if you get one of them, I think you feel a lot better about that position. You had one more slot guy because I think it's a position you need to keep adding to. But that would be huge. That's all I said. Land one of them, you feel great. And two of them, you're on cloud nine. So the land Frenchie would be massive because I think that's the biggest need in this class is playmakers in space. Joe Moore kind of get a little bit lucky that he's able to move up here, the St. Louis defensive end. Boy, after so he was supposed to go to Arizona State, right? But he can't go on an official visit because some recruiting rules now. And he had Minnesota; he could have gone an unofficial, right? So this recruiting rule—it's really hard to describe. But from what I understand, is you have spring official visits, Mm -hmm. right? So you can take official visits uh, all the way through the dead period in July if you're a junior in high school. But once that little week in July between the July dead period and the August dead period, which is the whole month, you're now a senior. But you haven't started class yet, so for whatever reason, that week you can't take official visits. And Joe planned it uh, to go to Arizona State, which uh, I, I don't know how big of a player they were. From every indication, Minnesota has been the leader the last month or two. But that break really helped Illinois get him back on campus, be the last pitch to him before he plans a decision on August 18th, and they seem to knock it out of the park. Now I, I'm I, I've been close, like. People have asked me, are you going to change your crystal ball? I haven't been there, but I think this is definitely a battle, and I think that says something about Illinois when every indication I gotten before that was that Minnesota's probably leading here and Illinois is going to have to do well on the visit. Well, they did well on the visit, and Joe even told me uh, it feels like home. Joe told me he might not be locked into that August 18th date. He might get it done sooner. I think that would bode well for Illinois because I do think they have the momentum here. Now, can they sustain it? 
through a dead period. And, and does Joe make the decision ultimately on August 18th? But, boy, Fleck versus Lovey. Yep. Round, <laughs> Always whatever. And, and Joe Moore, if, if they get him on top of C.J. Dixon, on top of James Frenching, on top of these offensive linemen, all of a sudden, like Joe Moore feels like the most important guy in this class right now with how you how you put it together. Now, I like Sawyer Gorman Welch, and I think they'll try and add him too, but it's just another high-level St. Louis guy. You'd beat out Minnesota. You'd beat out some good programs. And to have another four-star on board, all of a sudden with C.J. Dixon, if you get James Frenchie, this class looks pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I, I was using the class calculator on 24-7, and I said, okay, if you add more and Frenchie to this class where you have Reggie Love already, you already have Jaden Thompson, you already have C.J. Dixon, that would give you five four-star prospects if you're including Love. And then that would also That'd be That would be the five, first time since 2009, by Right, the way. five They'd top five. 400 recruits. Top 400. That would rank you. All right, so again, the quantity is still not great because you only have eight or nine commitments. So that would make you about 67th or 68th in the country. That's a heck of a jump for 105 where we were a couple weeks ago and you saw everything on Twitter ready to explode. Like that, yeah. the, the, the steps that this staff has taken since that moment happened where they're really struggling since that bad week where you lose Singleton, you lose Cooper, and you lose St. John. The steps that they've done after that, you got to give them major props for because Absolutely. that's been unbelievable. Yeah, no, they got to land these guys. Yes. Right? They, they, they got to commit, and then ultimately you got to sign them and you got to have a good season to do all that. But yes, they have regained their footing. They have momentum again. But as we saw in April, you have to keep it up, right? You, you, have, to, you have to continue it. And if you had Joe Moore, Joe, James Frenchie, Blaise Spark, all these guys, yeah, you have a heck of a foundation that three weeks ago I didn't personally think was possible, and I think some people in the program didn't think was going to happen. Offensive line recruiting has been such a huge need. I mean, Evan Kurtz is a roll-of-the-dice guy. Uh, Josh Plour is a roll-of-the-dice guy in the class of 2019. But I think we both agreed that we liked the approach of what Bob McLean has done in his first season recruiting for Illinois as the offensive line coach. He had a wide net. He's offered over 40 offensive linemen in this class, which is higher than what Luke Butkus had offered in a less, in, in, in a lot more of a, a time. And now now you have Blaze Sparks on campus, six foot six, three hundred pound kid. You talked with his dad. Seems like everything is going pretty well there. He said that Illinois was the leader at their media days down in high school. That'd be nice. Um, but anyway, what do you expect here? If if, if Blaze Sparks hops on board, that gives you Sparks. That gives you Pfeiffer Griffin and Kevin Tyler as three offensive linemen to build around. That's a good haul there uh, to start offensive line wise because you're yeah. probably going to take what four or five. Yeah. I mean, Sparks is the kind of guy you expect Illinois to land, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got an offer from Pitt. Um, you get him up here on campus. His family really liked it. So, yeah, I, this is the kind of guy you'd expect him. I don't think it's like a home run or whatever, but, no, it's, it's, a, it's a solid get who's got another Power 5 offer. Uh, a kid that I think is going to need time to develop, shape his body, but you can't teach 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, right, 300 pounds. He reminds me a lot of Monroe Mills, and, and that kid's got a lot more Power 5 offers, but, you know, Blaise might be overlooked a little bit. Well, in the Midwest, you, you're good. You're going to get more offers, I think, uh, from the local schools. So I think it'd be a, a solid get. It, it'd add more depth to the offensive line, and as we've said, there's a lot to work with there. Like, right, you know, Bob McLean would have a lot of size, a lot of physicality. Blaze doesn't move as well as I, I think Kevin Tyler or Pfeiffer Griffin, but um, it just gives you more size to add to that. And it, it'd be a, a solid get that I think Illinois needs to get those kind of guys unranked on our site, but I think he's eventually a, a mid three star, you know, yeah. low four, three star guy. So, yeah, I, th- I think you feel better about it. And then you can maybe, with three offensive linemen on board, 
you could really focus on that last one, maybe two more offensive linemen. And, and James Pogorelk, who just visited on campus, has as high of a ceiling as, as any offensive lineman they're going after because he's six seven, moves really well, bends really well. Uh, we have him 24-7 sports as a top 500 prospect. Uh, and he just visited Indiana. I uh, just visited Illinois. Uh, he's visited Syracuse as well. I feel like more people are going to come on board. He said he's going to take his time, but at least you got him here, and you can swing for the fences when you have three other offensive linemen on board. Well, and you have Syracuse, too, who's won 10 games last year. We all know how good of a coach Dino Babers is. Indiana's strength and, develop- and, and, and conditioning program has been great over there. You see what Tom Allen has done with that program. But to be in the battle with those two guys kind of – tells you a lot about where Illinois sell is for offensive linemen because offensive linemen want to play with Rod Smith's scheme. They want to play in a, in a scheme that they're going to run the ball down their throats. They're going to get them out in space where they can just maul people. So Polgarok, if, if I'm looking at Polgarok, and he reminds me so much of Pfeiffer Griffin, right? Like they're very, very similar guys. And to be able to swing the swing at a guy like Polgarok is huge for me. Like, are they going to get him? I don't know. There's still a plenty of time there. I wouldn't right. say Illinois is a leader, but to be in the top three right now is, is very much of a big deal. You have a good season. You can put your yourself in a position to close with him yeah and and what we're talking about here is to get why it was so important these last couple weeks and why we were so worried a couple weeks ago is because you don't you didn't have a foundation right you had three guys and and i like the three guys especially you know Jaden and reggie love are very highly ranked guys but to go into a season needing to fill even a small class if you're adding 12 more guys to that that's a lot to find in just a couple months, right? Especially when you're really focused on your season. That, that's really difficult to do. So you felt like it was going to be a lot in December right? or a lot of late evaluation that you're going to have to rely on. Uh, and, and the guys you built relationships with for a long time, you invested so much time in, you weren't getting. So now that they're starting to get some of those guys on board, even guys they've made quick relationships with, uh, but if you get Joe Moore, James Frenchie, you've gotten Kevin Tyler, those relationships have paid off. And now you can really focus on a few of your top prospects you have on the board now. And what this staff has done really well, and I think they've been less aggressive than, say, P.J. Fleck on, is they don't take a lot of guys early, maybe just to fill up the class, because they feel like senior year is a great tool. right? Like We evaluate these guys through their junior year, but some guys develop a little bit later into their senior years, like Sidney Brown or you know guys like that that they've gone after. So Quan Martin, yeah, no, Quan they offered before his senior year. Oh, that's right. They, they've done a pretty good job of finding some guys. Like you just, we can talk about Devin Witherspoon. And right, what a senior year. That guy had her Dale Von Campbell, who didn't really come on until what November of last year uh, when he got a quarterback there that could throw him the ball. So they've done a pretty good job of finding some toolsy, traitsy guys late, and this just allows them a little bit more time not to have to worry about building relationships with a lot of other guys rather than just evaluating and focusing on a couple handfuls of guys. Another guy they've done a good job building a relationship with is Sawyer Gorham Welch. Yeah. You have him up here another time that he's driven all the way up here, a Texas kid, but SMU's involved, Oklahoma State's involved a little bit, Illinois there too. What's the latest with his recruitment? Yeah, I talked to him yesterday, and he's a really um, – really in-depth kid about what, what he thinks of all of these schools. And, and basically he told me um, he wanted to come back to Illinois to, to, to have his mom come up. And I think the one part where the mom worries a little bit is her, her boy would be 12 hours away from yeah, home, I get right? That. a 12-hour drive. Uh, and it's not an easy flight because uh, they're 
two hours away from Dallas. So two hours to Dallas, you get a direct flight to Champaign, but still that, that's, that's a decent trip away. Uh, so I think that's the one contention there, but it sounds like Illinois is recruiting him as well as anybody. And Lovey Smith, who grew up about 30 minutes away from where Sawyer lives, uh, has done a really good job, but Austin Clark uh, has really hit a home run prioritizing him. You could tell of all the power five offers Sawyer has, and he's got Purdue, Texas Tech. It sounds like Austin Clark recruits him harder and better than anybody. So they've done well in Texas. He mentioned having all these guys up here in Texas. I think Sawyer's just another good quality defensive line prospect, maybe similar to, to a Jamal Woods, Laredo Adipo kind of guy um, that they seem to be doing well with, but he's going to take his time because he told me he's really indecisive right now. So it sounds like he's kind of going back and forth between SMU, which is close to home. I think he'd be a big time get for them or Illinois, which is farther away from home, uh, but they've recruited him really well. But I think it's a great sign that they visited twice. Plus, I think Oklahoma State's kind of stringing him along, not not in a bad way, but like Oklahoma State's a really good program, right? And I think Sawyer's one of their top options on the defensive line, and maybe if, if, if another one of their targets goes elsewhere, he can become the top target. So he might just take his time. Evanston running back Quadre Nicholson was on campus, too, for, for Grill on the Grove, and I- I feel a little bad for him because it's clear after talking with him that Illinois and Cincinnati were the top two. It feels like he wants to be at Illinois, but then he tweets out this morning, my recruitment is 100% open. After talking with my family and mentors, I've decided to open up my recruitment and push my commitment to this fall. Yeah, he had planned to commit on September 1st. This feels like Illinois doesn't, you know, kind of read between the lines. It feels like Illinois isn't quite prioritizing him, and this is a situation where he has to push his decision back because he's hoping for some other schools to get involved. I don't hate this move because if you look at the running back depth, Illinois is going to add Chase Brown, the, the Western Michigan transfer. You still have great depth like Nick Vidanzo. Kenyon Sims will still be around. Not sure what you have in him, but Jakari Norwood will, will, will still be here. You'll Reggie still have Love. Rayvon Bonner. <laughs> and, and, yeah, Re, Reggie Love is probably going to be your starter, too. You know, when you have all of this depth, like I get why yes. the staff isn't trying to right. waste a scholarship. You just feel a little bit bad for a kid that clearly wants to be an Illini, would be another yeah. good in state kid, but it seems like Illinois is moving in a different direction there there's there's rationale behind this for illinois right um but the the flip side is and i think some people would argue and i think some people in the program would like quadran board because how many in-state guys who have power five offers and i don't know how many of those are committable right now for him and it's weird recruitment in that way he's got a really good like miami's offered i think iowa offered right like he's got a really interesting offer list but it feels like none of those are, are committable right now. So he might have to take it into the into the fall. And it's a shame for the kid because he's a really good prospect. And it's just rare to have guys in state who, who want to jump on board. But Illinois has its evaluations. They have their scholarship allotment. And, boy, they're, they're deep at running back. So you can kind of understand it. The flip side of that would be how many in-state guys want to be this? Does this negatively affect you when it gets around that, hey, Illinois won't take this kid who wants to be at Illinois? And – Attrition happens, right? And I would imagine after this fall camp, after this season, when you have, especially with Chase Brown going to be probably be official here on Friday, if, if guys aren't getting touches or playing time uh, and they're stuck behind a lot of people or you have injuries or whatever it is, is there going to be attrition anyway? So maybe this is one, Isaac, I mean, he can't sign until December, so he can commit elsewhere. Or maybe this is one where he said, I want to open my, my, commit, my recruitment, and maybe Illinois will come back along in December or November or whenever it is, uh, and, and they can link up then. So I don't think this one is over there. It's just weird to me that um, 
they brought him back on a visit and weren't going to take his commitment. I feel bad for the kid. Yeah, that, that, that's that odd. It, it feels a little bit like he was strung along, but whatever. Got to move on. From I mean, this, this is part of recruiting. Can't please everybody, sure. right? Like, but it, it just feel like a kid who wanted to be on board. Um, and, and sometimes they they know, like the staff, if they know a kid's going to commit, but they don't want to take him quite yet, they don't bring him on campus. So I just felt bad that he came on campus, maybe expecting to do that, uh, and then he wasn't able. to. Two visitors that weren't able to make it down for Grill and the Grover, Jaden Thompson and Caleb Brown. Any concern there? Personally, I didn't really think that that was that big of a deal. I mean, especially after getting a quarterback like C.J. Dixon, you're seeing some four-star talents hop on board. You get Kevin Tyler. I feel like that's a good sign to keep yeah. Jaden Thompson there. And it felt like they had an issue, right, with Boom coming up where they just couldn't make yeah, it down. Yeah, they had some event with, with Boom that they had to do. Um, and, and I know Sam Jackson was another kid they were hoping would come. Uh, but he and uh, Reggie Farima, who's another great uh, 2022 kid, uh, went out to Virginia Tech last week. So, uh, you know, Illinois, Sam Jackson feels like the 2021 kid they really yeah. want at quarterback. And, and Samari Collier out of Texas would going to visit, but I think they were hoping to get Sam here on campus, and and then that fell through too. So, um, yeah, I'm not too concerned yet, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Illinois just needs more talent. Um, I think they've gotten that in the last couple weeks um, for Jaden Thompson to stay on board and uh, just win some games, and, and I think he'll stay on board. So I think they're starting to do the things, but I, I can understand why, hey, if Jaden or Reggie Love were sitting there going, because I know Wisconsin was pushing for Reggie Love the last couple of weeks, so I, hey, if, if no one else is on board, I might have to look on at my other options, right? I, I can't blame a kid if they wanted to do that, but I, I think they'll ultimately sign Jaden Thompson and Reggie Love. Let's talk about your boy, Antonio Johnson. Huge, huge <laughs> news there. Where he, not necessarily huge, but huge kind of, that he is 100% open with his recruitment. That means he's decommitted from Tennessee. We kind of knew that that was going to happen. And you've had a man crush on Antonio Johnson for what? So good. A year two, and a half, two, two years. years. I saw him in Denver Warren right. uh, at the Under Armour camp when they were between their sophomore and junior years. And and boy, Denver was better than a lot of Power Five guys, and that recruitment's gone kind of quiet. That's weird. That's a weird one for sure. I, yeah, he sounds focused on his high school stuff. I just think he's got to prove to people stuff on and off the field, and uh, he'll he'll have options because he's really talented. Um, but Antonio Johnson, I saw at that Under Armour camp, and I love Marcus Washington. Um, I was glad he took a big leap in the rankings. Obviously, went to Texas, uh, but every time I saw Trinity, he was really good, except when he went against Antonio Johnson. Because Antonio, Antonio Johnson shut him down, in, for the most part, in Under Armour camp and uh, against Trinity Catholic uh, last year in the opening week where it went triple overtime. Uh, Antonio did a great job on him. So he's he's long, he's athletic, he's rangy, he's big, he's fast. Like He's everything I want in free safety. Absolutely, and he visited Texas A&M, got a couple crystal balls there. Alan True, Steve Wolfong both do unbelievable jobs. I mean, they're, they're on it with their crystal balls, but it still feels like Illinois could be a major player here just because the relationship and Corey Patterson and, and Illinois has done a great job with Darren Sunkett and the East St. Louis staff down there. They feel like they're a lot tighter. So it, it's odd. Texas A&M's really good he's going to have Antonio Johnson's obviously going to have offers from all across the board but I still feel like Illinois could be a player here down the stretch yeah they got him here on campus the week after he committed to Tennessee kind of a big right didn't seem like Tennessee was that worried about that one Mm -hmm. Uh, but then he goes to Texas A&M and it felt like Tennessee was had an issue with that right and I I would probably agree with Stephen now I mean they're plugged in here uh the Texas A&M probably has the best shot and as we've seen Antonio probably can be swayed pretty quickly uh, he wasn't at Illinois, but his whole family was there. This one, to me, Isaac, to me, because they got a good relationship at East St. Louis, I think Illinois has to win and surprise people this year to land him, to land Mookie, right? Like, I, I think they'd have to win seven games, have a lot of excitement around the program, and maybe he gets here on campus for one of those wins. 
I think that's what would have to happen to, to land Antonio. But I, I, I would imagine Texas A&M, you know, I know Penn State is very involved here. It's tough to beat those teams when you're not winning games. Well, even and, for, even for kids, you have good relationships. Sure, and and it makes sense why Texas A and M is is a better choice. But hey, we can dream, right, of a of a defensive back group of flipping, Sydney Brown, flipping Antonio and Mookie in December. There we go, boom, <laughs> done. And move Illinois class to number one. That, or average star rating with those two boys in the class would be like fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. That, boom. that would be uh, depth wise. Go back to the 2008 class. Right. It was ridiculous. Uh, but 2007 gets all the pub because they got Martez and Aurelius Ben and D'Angelo McCray. This might be the best class or even better than that. If that happened, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, you yeah, said it, so it's going to happen. Boom, you're you to, dare to <laughs> If you want to dare to dream, go 8-4 and four and flip those guys, yeah, sure, go ahead. All right, we need to talk about one commitment in the class of 2019. Kind of a stealth ad, kind of late. Devin uh, Witherspoon, a defensive back from Florida, he is going to join Illinois. Cornerback, you watch his film, he's got good length, got a lot of interceptions. I think he had seven interceptions last year. This is a Kanato Hudson kind of going and doing some work here in Florida. I kind of like this sneaky ad, and we all talk about how late ads are not all the same. This is a dude that there's a chance here to to step up and be in that two deep at cornerback. He, he's a good get here. You look for traits uh, when it comes to corners, and I know people look at the the interceptions. He had seven last year, which is great. You want to see that production, and he plays in Florida where there's good competition. Um, but the biggest thing I see is quick hips. Uh, he's quick to the ball. He makes good breaks on the ball. And, and that's where he's got some interceptions across the middle. And Ryan Eastering mentioned this in his piece, that, that that's rare. Um, so these guys do a good job of finding those traits in defensive backs. Now, there's been a couple ads late at defensive back that I've disagreed with, but when it came to Sidney Brown, you turn on that film and you go, okay, this isn't some random guy. This is a really good evaluation. Quan Martin, when they offered him. Okay, this isn't some random guy. Like he, he's he's got the traits. I think Devin Witherspoon is the same thing. I love his length. Uh, I love his speed. Uh, I love his quick hips. He's gonna have to add strength, right? But after losing Ron Harge, kind of had similar length. I like this guy's quickness though more. I like this guy's length a little bit more. So um, I think he's gonna take some time, but he adds depth at a position of need, especially when Nate Hobbs. You know, he's, he's going to be a little bit older here. Tony Adams a little bit older. He had another much-needed athlete to that secondary. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, I think Beeson and Quan Martin and Nate Hobbs are the top three, but that fourth guy, I would have penciled in Ron Hart as that fourth starter there or that, that second on the two-deep cornerback. Mm-hmm. And now with that spot open, Nick Walker did have some good signs in spring ball. He forced an interception. I got returned for a touchdown with a big hit. He's done some things, but he's small, and this guy has length, and, and, and Witherspoon has a really good chance here to pass up Dylan Wyatt and pass up some of these other cornerbacks and be that number four cornerback in, in the two deep. And for a late ad to be in the two deep right away after not being yeah. in the program till almost August, that, that, that's that's pretty good. That's that's a good in, a little jump there for that kid. What I like about this staff when they, I, I don't want to say reach, but when they get out in front of something like this, yeah. the guy's got traits. You know, sometimes you get out in front of recruitment, it's a 5'9 defensive back, and it's like, Okay, like or a six foot two offensive lineman or five foot eleven defensive lineman. Yeah, that that probably is going to work. But when you get a, a six one cornerback with that kind of quickness and that kind of speed, and then you see if you can develop them, right? And, and Kinoto Hudson's going to be very interesting to see. But I love that he's getting them into Florida. They've offered a couple new cornerbacks. Dale Von Campbell. You don't have many six four two hundred guys. That, that can stride like him in the open field, right? So I like when they do go, I guess, risky. 
Um, there, there's traits there. They just got to develop it out of them. All right, so Illinois isn't fully done with this class, but you kind of get a, a good gist of what this class is going to look like. Maybe they have a couple strong weeks or a couple uh, weeks here where they have some strong commitments where it changes a little bit. But I'm going to give you my Illini assistant recruiting rankings, and you okay. can you can you know f- bounce off this, see where I'm an idiot here on this. All right, one easy Corey Patterson done. I, do I have to explain why Corey Patterson's my number one, or can I just point to Isaiah Williams, Shaman Cooper, Reggie Love, and, and the whole crew, right? Well, Done. you mentioned you mentioned those guys, right? But I think we also have to mention Mozak Paula. Yes, you don't you don't get him without Corey, Keith Randolph, as as well as Austin Clark did, and, and it is a team effort, right? But he he was the lead leader there. Josh Poor, I, I know he's not like a guy we have high expectations for right away, but I thought he was a better offensive lineman, and, and they maybe should have offered early. I think they got a little bit lucky, but Corey had kept that relationship going so at the end of this class. They could go get a guy uh, like Josh Poor, so I, I think that is very important. Joe Moore, I, I don't think they have a chance at Joe Moore. I agree, him. I agree. I think Austin because Clark's he's, done a great job, but yeah. Corey's the dude. Corey's the guy. He's a legend down in St. Louis. Everybody wants to be like him. What his rise is is what they want to do too. It's just the relationships. Like Moses Opala, he knew his basketball coach, right? Like just because he, they they been to like they've known each other for something. Uh Keith Randolph, I think that was just a he's a good player and they they got him. Kevin Tyler, he worked really well with the coaching staff around there. Uh obviously he knows people at Christian Brothers to help get Josh Poor and, and obviously the Trinity Catholic. But Joe Moore, um his, his coach, Brandon Gregory, him and Corey Patterson are like brothers. Yeah. So I th- I think that is so important that when you're able to talk with these people not BS about it, able to straight shoot about it, and that you have that ingrown trust. I think that's so important and why he's such a good hire. Corey won. All right, here's two. This one might be a little bit outlandish, but I'm going Rod Smith at two because it feels like he's the great closer that Illinois has, and he does, he might not be a lead recruiter for anybody, but you see when C.J. Dixon comes on campus, Rod Smith sells his offense, C.J. Dixon hops on board. You see what he's done with some of these wide receiver targets. That's why Jaden Thompson is a big reason why he's here because of what Rod Smith has done, and I think Austin Clark could have a good chance for number two. Mike Bellamy's done a good job. Maybe he's in consideration for number two, but without Rod Smith, without that offense, without his ability to connect with a lot of people, he's clearly number two for me. I probably have him a little bit lower, but right. I, what I would say about Rod is, and I think what was necessary, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think defensively, Lovey knows what he wants, and his assistants know what he wants, right? And I think there's there's a vision there, and there's always seemed to be. Even if you wanted a little bit better recruiters on that side of the ball, there's an easy vision, and it felt like everyone was bought into it. I didn't feel that way with Garrick McGee in the offense. Right. Right? Like, I felt like there – and even when, you know, Rod got on here on board and Luke Buck, it felt like there was just kind of a different idea of, you know, what you wanted, and, and maybe there was a little bit butting heads. And there's always going to be um, disagreement over guys, over decisions, all of that. But it feels like with Rod, everyone's bought into what they want, right? At quarterback, at running back – at wide receiver, uh, at offensive line for the most part. Wide receiver might be the one where, you know, there's, there's differences of opinions, but offensive line recruiting, uh, with Bob McClain and Rods, it just feels like it's just easier now. And, and Rods getting the quarterbacks he wants. They've done really well at recruiting running backs. So I just think having that kind of buy in to everybody kind of being on the same page, I think that's really helped them. Yeah. 
Easily. And he just has, has a really good job of connecting with not only the staffers, but the players as well. You just see guys come in. They're, they're so drawn to media. Yep. drawn to Rod Smith. Yep. It, it makes sense. All right, Charming dude. Yeah. All right. So three and four. At three, I have Clark. Austin Clark, the defensive line coach, who's done a great job with. Can't I'm, argue. He's been great. I mean, think about what he did last year on the defensive line with Randolph and Okpala and Seth Coleman. This year, he's pivotal for Joe Moore. I think he pushed really hard and did a great job for Willis Singleton. Yep. Just Nate Shieldhouse and that sell at Iowa State was a little bit better i think he's done a good job with noah orinze just oklahoma is a bigger program but i have him three and then four i have mike bellamy uh, he, uh, what you what could argue in this say? class mike bellamy is two right i know right Get, getting cj dixon getting Jaden thompson i mean right now if you go by the 24 7 sports recruiting rankings uh based on who gets the credit for these guys which it's it's a staff effort but some of these assistants do deserve, mm-hmm. deserve a lot of credit you don't get cj dixon without bellamy you don't get Jaden thompson Without Bellamy. And Rod Smith played a role for, for Jaden Thompson and, and obviously CJ Dixon as well. But, um, he's, he's the highest ranked Illini guy right now. I think he's 28th in the Big Ten with just those two commitments. And, uh, we'll see if he can add a little bit more. And boy, he's fighting a lot in state, isn't he? Yeah. Mike Bellamy, uh, a lot of negativity in state. So you think hey, they just win some games, Mike will do even better in future. And he's done a great job in Georgia. And, and he did yeah. a great job in Georgia before landing CJ Dixon. I think Dixon is just a, a, the fruit of his efforts there. And if you're able to get into Georgia, you like still what you have in Florida. You like the connections that you have in Texas, especially after getting. Joe Price on board, one of the best uh, high school programs down there. You get him as your recruiting coordinator down there. You like what you've done on the East Coast now with with Rod Smith has done a better job out there. Bob McLean's done a better job getting you guys involved with guys in Virginia and North Carolina. But to dip your toe into Georgia and to get a dude like C.J. Dixon at a powerhouse like Grayson, that's a huge thing. And, and you're right. Maybe maybe Bellamy does deserve a little bit higher. I just feel like Rod's still the closer, which is why I have him at two. Yeah, so. yeah. and in Austin, I think if, if you land Joe Moore, and you mentioned it, some of the misses not his fault right uh he, he's done a really good job with a lot of those guys all right five i have bob mcclain because of what he's done with this offensive line just the ability to get tyler the ability to push for pfeiffer griffin and have those relationships and understanding the way that the east coast still has good dudes out there and be able to go out to north carolina and get him you're involved with polgarelk who's from virginia he's he i just feel like he's given this job a little bit more of an identity and i feel like he loves recruiting more than luke butkus has he embraces that aspect of it and he's working hip and tied hip with rod smith and that matters so much so i have him at five i don't disagree with anything you said um my biggest thing is I love his process. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've always liked it. Even when you miss on Kiva Wesley, Jalen St. John, didn't feel like Bob McClain was the issue there. Um, he's put in the effort. He's put out a wide net. He's gotten after it on the recruiting trail, going down to North Carolina, through Georgia, South Carolina, Virginia, Florida. Uh, he spread a wide net and uh, done a really good job of staying on top of those guys. So, yeah, I don't disagree with where you have him. Six and seven is hard for me. I flip-flop back and forth. I went Stoker at six and then Kinato Hudson at seven just because Stoker's been here for a little bit longer. He has the track record of Marquez Beeson and Calvin Avery and Keevan Myers. But Stoker's left me wanting a little bit more, especially in this class. And I, I don't love everything he's done in his wide receiver evaluations. And that wide receiver room was really bad for a while. And the only reason that you feel better about it is because what Kanato Hudson has done in those connections and those relationships with USC and being able to get him to Torbebe in Sydney. So mm-hmm. I, I have Stoker six, Kanato seven, but I could easily flip those back and forth. I mean, it's hard to really argue with Andrew Hayes Stoker over his career, right? right. I mean, you, th- you think of... Uh, the class of 2018, 
How much differently do you feel if you don't have those Bishop Dunn guys? You, it's a horrible class. Right, Calvin, Calvin Avery, and, and Kevin Myers. Yeah, like that 2018 class, there's some players I like. Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, they found some good guys. Virtus was a big late get. But that was not That was probably the weakest class they've had so far. And I'm including even 2020 so far. Mm-hmm. 2019, you get that guy on board right away, Marquez Beeson. Uh, he's, I think what's interesting about Hayes Stoker and his recruiting is his actual position. What what has worked out yet so far? Now it's still early, but wide receiver recruiting has been lacking, and he's added some guys from Texas who are interesting. Casey Washington, Delvon Campbell, now uh, Edwin Carter out of Florida, he liked, and we saw early that he looked pretty good early. So I think a lot's going to depend on that. I would go Kinoto Hudson right now in this class because those tra- you could put Kinoto above Bob McLean in mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, and we should probably give Austin Clark some credit for those USC guys, right. too. Uh, I guess that's going back to the 2019 class, which, by the way, I might do something. That 2019 class with those transfers involved looks pretty dang good, doesn't Luke it? Luke Ford, Josh Mitorbebe, Brandon <laughs> Peters, Trayvon Sidney, Wale Batiku. You make those guys Juco guys? Ooh. Like That's a possible top 30, 25 class, right? Yeah, so that's absurd. I think that 2019 class, we're going to look back. Like They've added so much talent over this past year. And Kinoto Hudson and Austin Clark were big parts of that. Getting Witherspoon is interesting, and I, I'm just really interested, Isaac, because they need a couple more DBs. I'm really interested to see what else he gets down in Florida over the next couple months. And I think he's going to make an impact because he's, I mean, you talk to him, you see his personality. That dude's a bulldog. He's going to go after it on the recruiting trail. All right, 8, 9, and 10. This is where it gets a little bit uh, iffy. Let's go 8, Bob Ligashevsky. Only He hasn't done a ton in this class, but he's done decent with Kai Kroger, one of the top punters. If he's able to get him, that'd be great. But I still look at Kyron Cumbie as a great get that he did. Caleb Griffin is another very good get, and Blake Hayes still in the in the past. I know that was a couple years ago, but Blake Hayes is one of the best punters in the Big Ten, and that's all credit to Bob Ligashevsky. 9 and 10, Miles Smith and Gilbert. I have Miles Smith 9 only because he got Tariq Barnes, and I can't really name a recruit that Gilbert has done well with, right, and, and been the lead recruiter for. So that's why I have them a 9 and 10. Yeah, I think Ligashevsky recruits his position well, his group well, right? I mean, he's got two long snappers committed. As Absolutely. Walk-ons, awesome. Right? Look at that. <laughs> Nolan Ross back. And who's the other kid? Aiden Hall. Yeah, yeah. you just you kind of put those guys um, behind Ethan Tabell, who's a really good long snapper. Um, he's done really well. Blake Hayes, Caleb Griffin, I think are really strong. I think that's a strong unit in the team. So, yeah, I mean, Ligashevsky, and you got Ryan Mead, a walk-on linebacker, to pay out-of-state tuition in right. Illinois. Um, so Ligashevsky's not going to be your star recruiter, but you're not paying him for that. You're paying him to get good specialists, and you're paying him to be a good special teams coordinator, and they've gotten better the last couple of years. Yeah, I think Miles Smith is interesting. Um, Tariq Barnes, he went and got. Now, it wasn't hard to get, but kudos to him for, for looking down the list and saying, hey, th- this kid's got some traits, and he does. So that'll be interesting to see him. He reminds me a little of Mark Mondes here. Um, and then he's in on Finn Shermer, and kudos to them for offering him because now Air Force is involved, Wisconsin, Wisconsin is involved, some other Power 5 programs are going to be involved. And I know that's frustrating for Illinois when, like, if they offer Lucas Van Ness, all of a sudden he blows up. Right. So, so they make some guys, and, and that's tough to be at when you're when you're just a struggling program. And it's why you want to keep some guys under wraps like Dale Von Campbell and Devin Witherspoon so other teams don't come involved. But, uh, you know, Miles will be interesting to see what he does. Gil, I, I just think he's the developer. Yeah. Right? I, I think the, he's, he's on the staff. the adult, the teacher. I think he's basically your assistant defensive coordinator. Yeah. Right, is what he is. If Lovey got ejected from the game, Miles, <laughs> or I mean, not Miles, Gilbert would probably be the play caller. Yes, yes. 
even though I don't think he's done it before in his career, but yes. What I, are the I, odds that, that Levy Smith gets ejected? I now really want to see. <laughs> what would be? The, yeah, what would be the odds? Like, what would be the the line? Like plus uh, ten thousand. I don't even think plus ten thousand is work, worth. Plus one hundred thousand. There you go. There is like, no what would way. Have, what would have to happen for Lovey Smith to get ejected from a game? <laughs> He'd have to be like twenty five yards onto the field, like tackles an official or something. Maybe he trips an official on the sideline. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what would draw Lovey to that? I I don't see any. Like I've seen him fired up. Oh yeah, you and I've seen him fired up, including on the sidelines. But um, there was an instant last year he was getting after somebody. I forgot what the, when what Reggie it was. Corbin got absolutely hammered late after the play yeah, against Wisconsin. Yeah. He got rolled. That's up. what it would take. It would take a cheap shot hit. Yes, I think for him because he's so defensive of his players. Yeah, that's what it would. Now I really want to see fired up. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with him getting kicked out one game. That's fine. Just one. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's going to happen. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. All right, then when we have a, another podcast, we could be talking about some big things with James Frenchie and Joe Moore. We're going to take a quick timeout when we get back. Derek Piper, before he goes to Italy, is going to come on and talk a lot of Illinois basketball. Stick with us on the Line Inquirer podcast. Welcome back to episode nine of the Illini Inquirer podcast. We spent the first half talking about Illinois football recruiting. Great weekend getting C.J. Dixon. They get Kevin Tyler and, and kind of have great buzz, too, with James Frenchie and Joe Moore. So Illinois could be on, on a little bit of a roll football-wise. But now it's time to talk some hoops with Derek Piper, who is headed off to Italy on Sunday. Derek, how excited are you for this trip? Pretty excited, man. Uh, it's going to be a long flight over there. Leave Sunday night. We'll... Fly out of Chicago, yeah, about 9 o'clock, wake up and be, well, there's a layover in, in London, but get to Italy 6.20 p.m. the next day. So that'll be kind of a, an interesting thing, but, uh, you know, the excitement and, and the buzz will, will probably keep us going and uh, we'll be there for a week and see three games, uh, two games in Milan and one game in Florence. So, uh, you know, everybody's excited to see that team and what they're going to look like over there against them. Hopefully some decent competition to, to kind of give you a taste of, of what that team's going to look like. But, uh, yeah, really excited to, to go over there and, and get to be around the guys and first time being out of the country. So a little nervous, but mm-hmm. it should be good. Yeah, I feel like the nerves for that would be – it would definitely be nervous, but the fact that you're going over for basketball too and it's you have some basketball to watch, it's going to be intriguing. Like not many people are going to be watching this, so it feels like you're going to be – I'm very jealous of this trip. I think this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's – a lot of a lot of weight on the shoulders as far as uh, communicating back to the the homeland of what's what's it looking like and how's it going over there. I know they'll have some highlights, stats, and whatnot, but uh, I, there's not going to be a live video. And I, I know I've already gotten hit up of can you pull out the periscope and all that stuff. I don't think that I'll be able to do that, but uh, we'll definitely have plenty of coverage uh, on the message board and, and live uh, live blog and you know, post-game stuff and obviously stories. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll be the messenger back and uh, provide as much coverage as possible. There'll be a lot to roll out, so that'll be exciting. But, uh, yeah, you know, going to a country where I think hopefully there'll be a decent amount of people who speak English because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have Rosetta Stone for Italian, <laughs> and I'm not really expecting to learn much here in the next couple of days. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Man, you made the periscope reference. I could have so many periscope jokes, but I, I think I'm going to hold <laughs> off on them for now. All right, so as you go off to Italy, and, and you're going to eat plenty of Italian food, drink a ton of wine, but when you look at Illinois basketball, 
What are you trying to see? What's the thing that you're going to look at, at most? Like, I feel like Kofi could be an easy answer here, for, but like Io's improvement, Trent, what he does, how Alan Griffin slash Tevian Jones look, I, Georgie, of course, like how does how do the big men play together? I feel like there's so many different storylines that you could look in and be so intrigued by, but, but what's the number one for you? Yeah, it, there's a lot of different directions you can go here. And I think it will depend on what the competition looks like. But really, I'm just kind of looking at how much, if any, has the defensive philosophy changed and what are you uh, looking like at that end of the floor uh, and how much has Allen and, and Tevy and Jones progressed on the wing as far as you know being disciplined and denying passing lanes and not giving up back cuts. And, uh, just the whole defensive awareness and execution uh, of this team is the first thing I'm looking at because I, you know, I've said this a lot throughout the offseason. I, I know this team can score. This team is going to be able to, whether it's in transition or, or having more guys be able to step up and hit shots. Or you, know, you have Georgie on the inside. Now you can go to Kofi. I, I think they'll be better on the offensive glass because of Kofi's presence, and then also uh, off season of physical development for a lot of guys. Uh, that, that will be a natural progression, I think, for this roster. But you got to be able to get stops. Uh, that'll be interesting to see what the, the competition presents as far as challenges at that floor. And maybe we won't know more until we get to you know deeper into the fall and how much has this team really been able to work on team defense. Uh, those are all question marks, but that's kind of where it starts for me, of course. you know How Georgie and, and Kofi work together at the offensive end is, is highly intriguing. Uh, can Georgie show showcase that three-point jumper, uh, taking the ball off the dribble and playmaking a little bit more? Those are all really important uh, things for Georgie to show to be able to play the four this year, uh, to, to you know really be a fit within the system on the perimeter. Uh, and then are you able to go back to his bread and butter on the on the block because you don't want to take away uh, from his strengths as far as being someone giving the ball you know ten feet and in and right hand, left hand, his footwork's fantastic. You don't want to take it out away from him. So, uh, And then you mentioned it with the wings uh, on, on offense as well. Allen and Tev, uh, got to be able to – they can be shot makers. Uh, how consistent can they be? How comfortable do they look in those spots? I uh, would have loved to see uh, BBV. Uh, it had not – you know, the injury occurred here in the last couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, no doubt that you trust the guards, you like the bigs on offense, and, and the wing stepping up is going to be pretty crucial. Yeah, but it feels like how much stock should we put into this? Even if Illinois comes out and plays really well over Italy, how much stock will you put into it? Because, I mean, I, I remember hearing about these different international trips that Illinois goes on, and it's like a, a Joe Bertrand as a redshirt freshman has an unbelievable season, or, you know, his showcase over there, or Alex Legion back in the day, or Jamar Smith are playing really, really well. But, like, for you personally, how much stock will you put into what you see on, on the floor in Italy? That's a great question. Uh, and I think that it will really be determined on what the competition looks like. If the competition is legit, and usually you try to schedule, and you know, hearing from some talks around the program, you, you try to at least schedule one legit challenge, one one game where you're going to be playing some older guys, some pros over there that uh, will present a challenge, and maybe a game that you, you know, really got to push your guys to win. Versus, in other ones, you know that you're the superior talent and. Uh, you're, you're really just playing with different lineups and, and you know trying to get guys shots and looks and, and and yeah you have some some players who maybe go off and and it doesn't mean a whole lot but I think it'll really just be a feel thing and that's what makes this trip you know so intriguing and why I'm excited to be there to where you know sift through what 
is legit and what maybe, you know, just is kind of – it just happens because you're not playing a great team and, and you just, you know, guys had it easy or, you know, run a layup line uh, to the basket. So uh, I, I think you will be able to get a sense of some feel stuff uh, regardless of opponent as far as just, you know, how comfortable are the guys with each other on offense, you know, you know how smoothly can they run sets or – uh, what they're looking for as far as, you know, maybe high-low action, Georgia to Kofi. Uh, that stuff is, I think this team is, you're expecting them to be advanced, you know, this year versus last year with so many guys returning in the system. And defensively as well, again, it, it'll matter what the competition presents. And, and if you have, you know, poor guard play you're going up against, I think, I, you know, the expectation is that Andres and Trent and I will probably eat them up, but, uh, I think overall, you're just hoping to see a cohesive unit, a team that uh, you know is playing together and looks like they're starting to fit into pieces and whatnot. Uh, of course, a positive trip, no matter the competition for Kipper Nichols, would be nice. Uh, I think just for confidence, and you're going to have some of that that you know you're hoping to come away with, uh, regardless of what it looks like. So yeah, overall, uh, it's kind of wait and see. Uh, you don't really know uh, fully what to expect, but. Uh, excited to see uh, just how those games play out for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about this. Division three transfer Austin Hutcherson is visiting Illinois on Thursday for an official visit. He's taken visits to Notre Dame and Creighton. He would have to sit out one year, but then he'd come back and have two years of eligibility. Put up great numbers at, at Division three, but what do you make of this? This is kind of intriguing. It feels like we give Brad Underwood a long leash after how he's been able to spot and find talent like Georgie Bashanishvili. And this guy, I mean, he shoots over 40% from three, good free throw shooter. You have a good Q&A up with him on the site. Felt like he went through a lot of adversity early on in his career, which is why he wasn't really recruited. And he's undoubtedly proven himself at the Division three level. What do you make of this? Yeah, you see the car commercials where the Toyota Tacoma is going off-road and going up mountains and in the snow and all that stuff. And uh, those cars haven't even gone on all the the avenues that Brad Underwood and his staff are searching for talent. And How I long did you come up with that one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's this is what it's like. We we think that we found every single way to, to accumulate some talent. And again, uh, you go over to Belgium and you pull out Benjamin Boschman's Verdonk and on. You know, highlight film. At first, you look like if you just read Illinois finds international target in, in July or you know late June, early July. So, and well, uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. Hasn't played against good competition. You watch the tape, you're like, yeah, that, that guy looks pretty good. And I think the same thing is with Austin Hutcherson. You know, D three guard, six foot six point guard. Has he played against anybody? Yeah, he's got good numbers. And uh, then you watch the tape, and you're like, this guy's got length. He's got some bounce. He and shoot the three, you know, a little bit of off the dribble game and all of that. And you're like, I can see it. I can see it. And then learning more about his story, the fact that, you know, in high school, his freshman year, he got to a really bad car accident, messed up his back. Sophomore year, so he's out his whole freshman year. Sophomore year, he comes back and he gets undercut on a dunk and breaks his jaw, loses some teeth and breaks his wrist. And uh, you, you kind of understand why this guy didn't get seen. And all of a sudden now he's healthy. Uh, he, he went the sure route in D3 instead of waiting it out his senior year for, for other options. He had some Ivy League looks. So he's a high academic kid. His dad is in human resources in the NBA. And he's got some intriguing tape. And you got an opportunity to have him sit out a year to learn the system, uh, to get stronger. I think that's the biggest thing for, 
for when you look at what he needs to add is just the physicality uh, is something that he needs to get up to speed on. And then, you know, playing against Big Ten players every day in practice will be a, a good opportunity for him if he does end up at Illinois. But as far as the attributes, you can see what you're working with uh, as, you know, you, need, you have a high need in the backcourt next year, assuming Io's gone, Andres Felice is gone. Uh, you need someone to come in and, and you're going to have some freshmen because that's a very high focal point of this 2020 class. But Hutcherson is, is someone that will be, you know, 20, 21 years old and, uh, you know, had some years in, in college and, and had a year in the system. So I think there's some benefit there. And, and Illinois made sure to get in early as soon as they found out about him. Uh, Austin told me that Illinois is the first school to, to reach out and show interest as soon as his highlight tape went out. And uh, it looks like, you know, they're getting the last chance. This is the last visit until he makes a decision, and uh, yeah, it's pretty intriguing. Well, I think a thing that makes me feel a little bit better about a potential ad of this guy is that Notre Dame has shown interest, Creighton's shown interest, Mike Bray, I can trust him. You kind of understand. Like It feels like this isn't just Illinois going rogue here and finding this guy. There's Power 5 legitimate programs who think that this kid could be an, a, a good ad for them. How, how, much do you put, how much stock do you put in Notre Dame and Creighton shown interest? Do you expect them to be major players, or is this Illinois to lose? Yeah, I do agree with you. I think you make a good point there. And Marquette was another one. Marquette wanted him to come for an official visit early on this week. He ended up canceling it. You kind of understand. And it happens a lot in recruiting. And it's kind of been a really, you know, a big whirlwind for him. He went essentially directly from Notre Dame's campus to Creighton and then gave himself a break by canceling the Marquette visit before he comes to Illinois. So uh, I think that the fact that Illinois is, I know we've talked before, the last visit, doesn't always mean that, that you're the leader or that you're going to get them. And there's been some criticism there of the staff. I, I still think that's the position you want to be in. Uh, he told me that he had good visits at both Notre Dame and Creighton. That, you know, he, he did, he's not tipping his hand too much as far as one way, leaning one way or the other. And I think he still needs to see Illinois and, and be around the players and the coaches and see the arena and all that stuff to really get a great, great feel of Illinois. But at the same time, he said a lot of positive things. Uh, you can tell that he's done his homework on the situation that he would come in. Uh, he's very intrigued by the opportunity to play in the Big Ten. But, yeah, I think the fact that you have legit, you know, high major programs like Creighton, like Notre Dame, like Marquette, uh, teams that have been in the NCAA tournament recently that wanted him, that were, you know, that are in this mix right now, you know, it's not over. Uh, Notre Dame and Creighton could still land him. But that says to me, you know, this isn't just, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Brad Underwood just going out and and being the only one that believes this guy can play at the high major level, that's clearly not the case. Okay, so my initial comp to to Hutcherson is looking at a guy like Duncan Robinson who goes from a Division three program to Michigan, sits out a year, and then plays three years and, and turns into not their best player, but he was a very serviceable player. And I, I'm not saying Hutcherson's going to be a guy that's going to get an offer or get a chance to play in, in the D-League with, with the Heat or anything, but this could be a kid that's similar, really both really good shooters. Both have a chance to do a lot of different things, scored at all three levels in Division Three. And now if you look at his potential impact on the floor, if he's a guy that's your sixth or seventh guy, maybe he's he's your you know your first guard off the bench who can knock down a couple threes. Maybe he's a late game addition because he's a good free throw shooter. It looks with the length that he can play some defense. If you go zone, it could help as well too. That's a really serviceable piece. Like, how is is Duncan Robinson a good comp for him, or is that kind of a little bit maybe too high of a bar for Hutcherson? No, I think that's kind of the hope is someone coming from the D three level 
that didn't maybe get the looks coming out of high school for whatever reason, and he comes in and he plays a role for you. He plays a role on a winning team uh, and with a high value on knocking down the three-point shot because I think that the, it still yet, is yet to be determined as much of how much Hutchinson's off the dribble game. And I don't think he's – he's not a point guard at the high major level. I think he's more of a two and based on the Illinois system could play the three. And can he be catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter, a guy that plays a role? And as you mentioned – you know, he, he rarely misses from the free throw line. So someone you want the ball, you know, at late game and, and getting to the free throw line to, to knock down some of those. Uh, Duncan Robinson was a guy that was able to start, come off the bench, whatever role he needed. Uh, you know, the John B line required of him uh, on teams at Michigan that went to the tournament and, and, and made a lot of noise. I think that uh, that is your hope for Hutchinson. You're not expecting him to come in and maybe be a star, but uh, he's someone that helps you win games, and, and he has attributes that uh, you're hoping translate from D3 to up to D1 at the high major level. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the hope is you're going from D3 to the Big Ten. You have some skill sets that you really excel at, and you're hoping to just play a role and be someone that can help you win some basketball games. A couple of recruiting tidbits we want to hit on before we let you go. DJ Seward is announcing his top eight. That should be coming on August 1st, I think is what he tweeted. After UNC and Duke offer, is Illinois an afterthought here, or do you think they still could manage to swing a, an official visit or something? I, I think they could still get an official visit based on what DJ has said in recent weeks, uh, you know, after Peach Jam getting the offer from Duke and then you know, within the next week after that, North Carolina, he says, as of now, that he still wants to take five official visits. I think Illinois could convince him to come back to Champaign and check it out. And I think that at this point, uh, why wouldn't you push for that? I think that's something that Illinois uh, is still going to fight that. And if DJ is willing to come back, and uh, I know that we get into, uh, you know, months down the road, you're counting official visits and you're like, oh, that was a waste or that was one that, you wish you had back and you weren't really in that one, but you gave it anyway. Uh, I think for an in-state guy and someone that uh, just in case it, it doesn't work out at Duke or at the end of the day, uh, you know, maybe doesn't have the same role. Uh, there's, I think that there's different cells between Illinois and Duke and, uh, and staying closer to home and all that. I think there's, there's a reason for Illinois to push for that. And they, they're doing that. So uh, I think they can get an official visit. Can they be, are they the favorite anymore? Were they ever the favorite? No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, it was always going to be tough, even going up against Texas and Louisville. And now you have Duke, where you know BJ Boston just picked Kentucky, and they, that was really their number one guy at, at the two guard spot. And now I think that elevates their push for DJ Stewart. So it makes it tough. But uh, Illinois, you know, they have multiple guards they're going after. Yeah, uh, you know, at the combo guard spot, they're also. Per- prioritizing the peer point so they're, they're not all just relying on dj or all just relying on adam miller they're going to be in the mix with, with dj i think that they'll make you know obviously they're going to make the top eight i think they can get an official visit and uh it'll be tough though duke is going to be really tough to overcome yeah yeah it feels like uh duke is kind of coming into illinois backyard too with dj stewart now they also offer uh, Joe Henriksen reported that yesterday. They offered uh, Rolling Meadows guard Max Christie. So it, Christie in Illinois never felt like that was – I don't think that's over by any means, but, I mean, it, you look at the class of 2021, Christie's an unbelievable talent, one of the top two players in the state. But to get that Duke offer kind of signals he's got his eye on the Blue Bloods, though, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one that you've kind of assumed is coming for a long time, and uh, one where I think Illinois has done a good job of understanding that recruitment and understanding that you know you're not going to maybe exhaust all of your resources, which again you're never going to do that for one target anyway. But uh, I, I think that if you would look at their efforts and who they've really prioritized uh, the most in state, I, I think it's safe to say they've put far more effort thus far into, into a Bryce Hopkins versus a Max Christie, understanding that, you know, Max is, if he gets the Duke offer, which everyone assumes is coming, that's probably where he's going to go. Uh, that's That's been the buzz, and, and that's been the reality. Just, are things going to change if Illinois, you know, comes out this year and has a, a really good year, gets the tournament, makes a run, Iowa goes to the NBA, the lottery pick? Yeah. I, I think that all of a sudden you can maybe change some minds within the state or around the area where – you know, you, you first look at, and you could even go to New York and say, does that change Alan Griffin's brother's mind? You know, A.J. Griffin, where right now it looks like a, a dream, a long shot, and if Illinois has a really good year, if Alan shows out, things, circumstances can change. So I'm not saying that uh, Max Christie's recruitment is over now that Duke is offered. I, I would pick Duke right now if that's if I had to, you know, put in a crystal ball or whatever. But, uh, yeah, Illinois, in-state, Bryce Hopkins has really been uh, in that class in 2021, who they're prioritizing. I think that he's kind of in, uh, I would say, their wheelhouse, but at the same time, a ton of Big Ten programs have come in with interest and offers. So that'll be a tough recruitment. But right now, uh, I think Illinois did a good job of making him their guy versus Max Christie, who's going to be a little bit tougher. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree there. And I, I, to be honest, I like Bryce Hopkins' games a lot, maybe even a little bit more than Christie. I know that they're not close necessarily in the rankings. Christie's a top, whatever, 13th in the in the nation. Bryce Hopkins just outside the top 100. But Hopkins just has that game, six foot seven. He reminds me a little bit of a taller Taylor Horton Tucker, can do a lot of different things, ha, has that dog in him. That he, I, I don't know. I just really like Hopkins a lot in, in that class. Maybe I'm overestimating him a little bit, but he he's a stud, man. No, yeah, we're on the same we're on the same boat. We're right there. Uh, it seems like I think whenever we hop on the same one, I feel pretty good about an eval. We like EJ Liddell quite a bit, and and that was an easy one to pay. Let's be honest, but uh, uh, yeah, Bryce Hopkins. Uh, he's got the Taylor Horton Tucker a little bit taller. He's got a combo of you know, he. I see bits and pieces of THT of EJ Liddell, and then also a little bit of Malcolm Hill. And just the the combo forward, the skill level, uh, the physicality that he has, ability to the three. I think he's a really good fit uh, with what Illinois does. So yeah, all all around, uh, finally got the respect he deserved of, of getting into the top 100 and 24/7 ranking. So uh, that was one that Illinois did a good job getting in early. And uh, I, I really really love his game. We sure. have we have the same type of player that we like, right? Like we like the Tevian Jones type of guys. Like plays the three, can shoot the three a little bit, can also can also get to the rim and dunk on people. Athletic, good defender, can block some shots on the weak side if we want. Like I feel like that's our prototypical player. Jeremy, on the other hand, he's like an Andres Feliz. He likes those gritty dudes that are diving the on the floor. Dog, right? Yeah, yep. which I like those guys too. I'm just more of the athlete. Long, get me four or five of those Oregon dudes that Oregon had. In the NCAA tournament or or Florida State dudes that just they just play great defense and are, are more athletic than you and that's why they're going to beat you. No doubt. Let's just make sure that you and I aren't GMs in the league at the same time. You know we're going after that type of guys in the draft. So uh, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. But yeah, it's always fun that uh, when we're trying to peg our guy uh, that 
maybe a little bit of a race between you and I. But I think we end up on the same guys. I think that uh, people should feel pretty good once uh, once we put our stamp on that one. Absolutely, great stuff, Derek. Enjoy your trip to Italy. Hope everything goes well. Hope the jet lag's not too bad, and you get to see some good basketball. Right? <laughs> That's right, man. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you when I get back, and uh, yeah, it'll be a fun one. So, uh, look forward to talking to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thank you. Derek Piper, good stuff from him. We're going to take a quick timeout when we get back. Let's wrap up episode nine of the Illini Inquirer podcast. Absolutely loaded today. Welcome back to the episode nine of the Illini Inquirer podcast. Great stuff with Jeremy Warner breaking down Illinois football. Had a great, great weekend with CJ Dixon, Kevin Tyler. Great buzz with Joe Moore and, and James Frenchie. Maybe you're able to get Blaze Sparks top on board. You start to see this class of 2020 start to come together. And what we thought was going to be a dumpster fire a couple of weeks ago might actually turn out to be a pretty decent class. So props to Illinois football staff for doing that. And then Derek Piper, of course, with awesome stuff as he previews his trip to Italy. I'm a little jealous of him, not going to lie. Pretty jealous. I, if I was going over to Italy, I'd be doing a lot of basketball, probably finding my way and eat a, a lot of pasta. Give me all the lasagna that I can find out there. But good stuff so far today. We are going to have another episode of Illini Inquirer podcast soon after this one, too, where we're going to do a preview of training camp. That'll get started on Friday. First look at Brandon Peters and Isaiah Williams. Oh, and Marquez Beeson, all of the USC transfers. It's going to be really, really good stuff. So we'll have a podcast with that. But Again, thanks for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you find your podcast, we'll be there. Again, but big thanks for listening. Good stuff from Jeremy Warner. Good stuff from Derek Piper. And, and stick with us. Hope you guys all have an awesome day.